Hey everybody, this is Kirby, and this is also a Dorothy chapter. If you have not listened to the crossover between Dorothy and Poke, which starts with The Old and the Few and continues with the Checkpoint episodes, then you are going to be super confused about what's going on with Dorothy if you have been only following her chapters. Uh, so please listen to those, uh, but otherwise, enjoy the show. listening to Starshot, a Cortex actual play. I'm Kirby, your host and Game Master, and this is a Dorothy chapter. Where we last left off, Dorothy, Poke, and a whole bus of clones were traveling between the various checkpoints, apparently operated from some some sort of religious community or order that refer to themselves as the few. Uh, evidently, they drive these shuttles back and forth between Stepping Stone and West Sands. You find yourself on one of those buses. Actually, more specifically, you're finding yourself between the head of such a bus and a semi-truck that had been left in the middle of the road, uh, absolutely dominating it. Uh, when you left the bus to go investigate with Poke and a couple of the clones, you found that the bus had been some sort of work was trying to be done on the engines that prom promptly stopped. And so you currently have James, one of the clones, and Val, another clone, trying to work on the engine so that you can get this, uh, so that you can get this semi truck moving. And uh, the ensuing repair efforts, you find yourselves besieged by branch devils, uh, essentially flying monkeys, and they are allegedly the fastest in the skies, and they have chosen to uh, try to take advantage of your situation. In the fight that ensued, Poke uh, was knocked out by one such branch devil, finds himself in a ditch, faceplate of his exosuit broken, and begin to inhale the toxins that are currently in the air right now. You quickly dispense with the handful of branch devils that were brave enough uh, to come harass you, but the branch devils in the surrounding woodland around you, along the banks of the road, haven't quite left yet. You can see giant saucer-like yellow eyes uh, flitting about here in the woods from branch to branch. What looks to be a dozen more branch devils kind of calculating how best they're going to approach. Right now, it doesn't seem like they're going to attack kind of recognize this as a sort of pseudo-pack tactic where they're just kind of reassessing their situation. So you have a window of time to do something here. Dorothy, what do you do? There's a couple of clones who are up at the cab of the truck, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, uh, you're at the back end of the trailer, uh, which one other important note, uh, you finally got that trailer door open and it's Morris, the young adult, the kid uh, that you had met at the mall. Uh, and was friends with Liliana, who seems to be very important to Poke. Uh, and Maris himself seems to have been infected with the toxins and uh, has managed to crawl himself to the uh, 
end of the trailer here right where you are. I think I'd like to yell to the clones, or at least one of them at the front, to see if they can give me a hand with the injured here. Okay, uh, you yell out. For a second, there's no reply, and then uh, a spark of static through your environmental suit's uh, headphones. Uh, you hear Val's voice, Yeah, I'm not much help up here trying to fix this engine, so I will gladly uh, head back. We're rushing back to the bus, right? Because these, these things in the woods, they're kind of giving me the creeps. Don't worry about that. I just need a minute of help here, and I can take over at the front. Okay. Uh, a few moments later, Val is meeting you at the uh, end of the trailer uh, here, and she she sees Morris. Uh, she doesn't see Poke. She doesn't know to look for Poke in the roadside in the ditch, and she just kind of gives you a gesture asking where Poke is, but at the same time, she's immediately taking initiative to help Morris up. You take care of this one. I'll go find your boss. She helps Morris uh, off the back end of the trailer, and the two of them begin to hobble toward the bus, and you're going to go to the front cabin? Well, actually, I was going to head over to where Polk is and grab him. I'm, I, when I said uh, I'd take over, I meant uh, once we've you know gotten these people out of harm's way. Okay, absolutely. Uh, so you head over to Polk. He is still conscious. His eyes are fluttering right now, and his body is just squirming into the uh, ditch here. It, judging from the incoherent mumbling and the way he's kind of meekly bringing his hands up to his face, you think he's potentially hallucinating and reacting to that hallucination, uh, but he's otherwise not very responsive. It's okay. I've, I've got you, and uh, I start to drag him towards the bus best i can oh you're okay yeah it's gonna fly out drag him uh okay yeah so you begin to uh drag him to the bus we are going to enter a timed test uh basically what that means is there's a certain number of beats uh, that i will allot uh, before something else potentially happens in this case you have three beats to Get the people you want to the bus and get the semi-truck out of the bus's way uh, in order to progress. Every time you pick up dice and roll them, uh, you essentially spend a beat uh, doing that. At the end, uh, we kind of figure out where you are in terms of like your successes. And yeah, uh, so with that said, I'm going to need you to pick up dice as uh, you're moving this body along. It's not a matter of getting the body to the bus. You're, you're going to be able to do that. It's just a matter of how much time is costing you to get that body to the bus, if that makes sense. Uh, so go ahead and pick up some dice, and let's see if you can be a four. It should be very easy. Uh, are you spending your plot point? Yes, yes, I'm going to do that. Audience at home, Dorothy has unlocked a new special effect called we're in this together and so every time dorothy spends a plot point uh, she can create a d8 uh, relationship with whomever she's going through some sort of hardship with uh, and use that for the rest of the scene uh, so we are going to add that to the board uh, so dorothy is going to add that to her pool uh, dorothy what else are you going to roll with this uh, well probably that's going to be a labor i guess since i'm carrying him uh, and then I guess that would be 
well, a physical, right? So you got a physical that's d6, a labor, uh, which is a d8, and a and plus the um, asset that you just mentioned. And you can probably you could probably also put in your heart of gold. Okay, seven, six, four, one. Well, what what what's the die size that you roll the one on? That was on the d6. So I'm going to give you a plot point because I'm going to buy that d6 from you and add it to my pool. Very well, thirteen. That's actually a heroic success. So that means a couple of things uh, since we're doing a time test. That means you're going to get in there hero die, which in this scenario will be a d6. And then on top of that, because we're doing a time test, that means with a heroic success that you didn't spend any beats. So you still have three beats accorded to you to do your thing. Uh, so with that said, um, I think what happens is that Val has finished like unloading Mars onto the bus. Uh, you see that Terrence has uh, put on some sort of uh, exosuit as well uh, for the environmental hazard of these toxins that are floating around. And right behind her, uh, you are dra dragging Poke by the foot. His head just bumping against uh, some of the uh, pavement there. And uh, Val helps you help him onto the bus. Now with that said, even though you didn't spend a beat because you got that heroic success, technically that doesn't really muck with the timing. Uh, in a couple of beats, you're still looking at the branch levels potentially regrouping and attacking the bus and yourself. What do you do? You still have James out there at the front of the semi-truck working on the engine itself. And uh, it needs to be moved in order for this bus to progress forward and get to Stepping Stone. Well, we've got to get moving. I guess I'll do my best to cover James and make sure he's safe so he can do what he needs to do. Uh, so when you run up there, James is absolutely panicking. In fact, he begins talking to you before he remembers that uh, his mic's not on. He turns on his mic and it's just this basically vomiting words into your ear because uh, he's like, yeah, I've never worked on anything like this. I've worked on small motors out at the mall and that was just fixing like ice cream machines and stuff like that. I don't, I can't, I can't do this with, with those things out there. And I, I, I don't know, I don't know. And he is starting to have some sort of breakdown. So I think what this next beat is going to be because without any pep talk, he's just not going to work on this engine. Uh, it's, it's getting to a point where uh, he's not even looking at it anymore. He's too busy, eyes focused on the uh, banks of this road. What do you do? Well, I'm definitely not going to lie to him because I don't think that's going to be good. But I do think that, you know, basically what I want to convey to him is that the fact that, you know, yes, he's only worked on small motors, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, a motor at the end of the day is the same, you know, like just like anything else, you know, it relates to anything else. You know, you've got a... Uh, there's a basic path in which it works. There's, you know, an ignition. There's the way that the fuel connects to it, and it's just on a, on a larger level. But you know, the fact of the matter is, he's the best man for the job, and um, you know, I trust him. I trust him implicitly. But as far as the, you know, he knows motors. I know keeping monkeys off your back. So uh, let me handle that, and I'll leave you to your work. All right. Stakes have been set to six once you build a dice pool uh, as you try to encourage him to resume work. 
I would say there's probably a case uh, for you to roll your old hunting rifle. You're obviously not using it to threaten him into fixing the engine, but I think seeing your right, uh, hunting rifle and knowing that he heard gunshots and you came out just fine uh, can be reassuring in that sense. Yes, truly I am the great hunter, trust me. 754. Your two best dice out of that would be a 12, uh, which would be another heroic success. So, uh, we're going to add a, another hero die to your pool here. My life now has purpose, both in story and out. There's a moment where James and you locks eyes. He looks over to the dark of the trees uh, surrounding this truck. He looks to you, he sees your gun, and he begins bobbing his head up and down. He's like, okay, okay, just, just, just watch my back. And he goes uh, head deep uh, into the engine here. Uh, before before he does that, I, I touch my helmet over to his helmet, make like a kiss sort of in the end, like, like as, as if to kiss him on the cheek. And I go, make me proud, son. Okay. And he goes at it with a renewed fervor. Uh, and after a minute of uh, silence of him uh, quietly cursing up a storm, he says, okay, D Dorothy, I, I know what the problem is, but I need an extra pair of hands. Can, can you come over here? Okay, let's, let me make sure the coast is clear, okay? We don't want to be caught unawares. I'm scanning uh, the banks here. You're not even sure if there are any more branch devils in the tree lines here, but just because you don't see their yellow saucer eyes uh, doesn't mean that they're not lurking about. Still, satisfied that there's nothing immediately going to attack you, uh, you head over. James runs down uh, what's happening right now and uh, explains exactly what he needs you to do while he does something else. So either you need to uh, lift a heavy part of the uh, engine, uh, not the engine itself, just, just a part of it, uh, or go in there and do a little bit of uh, fixing yourself. Mind, you're, you're going to, if you go with that later route, you're, you're going to have a die from James to represent him helping you out and walking you through this. Because uh, I, I know you're probably looking at your fix skill, which is a D4, and that's probably not too appealing. But uh, you tell me, what, uh, what do you want to do? Uh, it would probably be the former one, but really I think ideally the best thing would be to, would be to have one of the clone, other clones come out here and hold the thing for him. And I'm concerned that that will eat up a beat. Yeah, uh, rushing back uh, back to the bus, which is probably a good 30 yards up the road, uh, and you only have Val, who has already proclaimed that she hasn't felt useful at all helping with the engine. Uh, she's, her and Terrence, uh, Terrence being the bus driver, are the only ones that are, are currently suited up. To get someone else suited up would cost some time, yeah. I didn't realize it was that far away. All right, well, it'll be me then. I guess um, I'll do the holding and he'll do the fixing and come what may, come what may, you know. Uh, I'll just try and react to whatever happens as soon as it does. Go ahead and build your dice pool. Uh, I am going to spend a die from my doom pool uh, and make the stakes a whopping 13. There's mathematically no way that I can win this roll without doing a big damn hero die. 
True. And to clarify, there are still uh, three story beats left, right? Because of the two heroic successes. I just want to know where we are. Yeah, so to clarify, after this roll, technically the three beats have been spent. It just means that you have wiggle room to get what you, you want done. Uh, so even if you like fail this roll, uh, you're going to ultimately be good. It's just a matter of whether or not you create any complications or... Uh, create any like ongoing um well actually yeah it's just a matter of whether or not you create any complications you're you're basically rolling to flavor what happens after these three beats have come and gone and uh we proceed from here i see all right then i'm gonna roll my two dice and uh go from there that's a three and an eight okay that's an 11 uh so you failed to raise the stakes but that's okay you had wiggle room do I am I able to roll a big damn heroes dice with If you want, I, I wouldn't I personally wouldn't recommend wasting a hero die on this. Uh, so the way time test works is that if you didn't have any spare time, like let's say you just had normal successes or normal failures uh, for all three beats, you would have to either make the choice of accomplishing your goal uh, or making a clean getaway. Uh, which I, I know that probably sounds like it's one and the same in this particular scenario, but accomplishing your goal in this scenario would mean moving the semi-trailer so that you can get the bus going towards Stepping Stone. Whereas like making a clean getaway probably would have meant either ditching the bus or going some other route and backing the bus out and all this other shenanigans. Um, but because you rolled two heroic successes, uh, you are basically ending this with time to spare in order to uh, accomplish your goal and make a clean getaway, which is relevant here. And so subsequently, like right off the bat, unless you were to ultimately fail like a majority of your roles, you're, you're essentially just coloring what your success looks like. Um, so in this sense, you're you're getting the bus out of here, or you're getting the uh, semi out of here. Uh, you're getting the bus on the road. It's just that there was potential t uh, potential opportunities to have uh, hitches, which I would then use to make your life uh, messier. I understand. I understand. Uh, with that said, I'm going to spend a die from my danger zone uh, and to create a complication. As you're pulling up uh, this part of the engine, and James is doing his work. Uh, he just as he says, uh, "Okay, I'm, I'm I'm done." He's pulling his hands out, um, and you you basically bring that part down hard, not in a way that appears to muck with the engines at all. But uh, I think what happens here is that you sprain your wrist. Uh, you're going to have a D6 uh, sprained wrist complication. Motherfucker. With that said, James is immediately climbing into the cabin. He gets the engine started. The engine roars to life. You close the hood to the uh, semi and hop off. And James begins uh, slowly driving it off to the side so that the bus may get by. When he does so, uh, you can see that... Uh, the eyes that have disappeared from the darkness of the surrounding forest have returned. They're not necessarily in greater numbers, but they are very close to you and uh, 
to you and James. You and James begin to book it to the bus, uh, barely making it in time as the uh, as the branch devils absolutely swarm uh, the bus. They're not strong enough to break through the bus's glass or through his armor, but it does have the rest of the crew here scared off. Uh, you find that Morris and Poke have been moved to the main population of the bus. Terrence is there to greet you, and Terrence is immediately peeling off as soon as that bus door closes. Now, we have a shot of the bus racing through the night, and uh, I think our main situation here is the fact that uh, all the other clones are currently panicking in the back. They have two bodies that are currently uh, infected with toxins uh, so there's concern that the these are just walking dead essentially uh, but also uh, also it just seems like the branch devils might break through the hall of the uh, bus what is dorothy doing in all this chaos she's gingerly rubbing her wrist at this point oh dear this is a lot this is a lot to take in boys and girls yes I'm not sure, because at this point in time, it seems like my particular skill set is ill-suited to this uh, particular scenario, uh, because I'm not the best nurse, and I can't well shoot these wretched little creatures without shooting out the windows. Um, I guess I could try giving another pep talk. If you want, you don't have to. You, you could just park your butt in a seat and just tend to yourself. Uh, but if that's what you feel like Dorothy would do, then let's pick up some dice. Well, Dorothy wouldn't uh, just sit around, you know, feeling sorry for herself because she spent the last month doing that. And at this point in time, she's so close to her goals that it doesn't make any sense to just sit around. Because, you know, what's the point of working on a sprained wrist if in five minutes the wrist and the rest of me could just be eaten up? So uh, I guess I'll just try to encourage the driver uh, to drive like hell or whoever's attending to the sick to uh, heal like hell. It becomes immediately clear that no one knows what to do with uh, these infected people with Poke and Maris. They try to make them as comfortable as they can and win the uh, nearby seats, but shortly after that, even with all the chaos, they kind of give them a wide berth. So we have Maris in one seat to your left, we have poke in another seat uh, both laid out uh, in your right and then a two seat gap a two row gap between them and the rest of the uh, folks who it's just frankly a cacophony of uh, of worried concern here in the in the bus uh, so i have set the stakes to four for whatever you are doing uh, I have also rolled two opportunities. So you can spend a plot point per opportunity to either step up an existing asset or step down an existing complication. It doesn't even have to be relevant to what you're doing right now. If you spend a plot point, that sprain risk complication can become a D4. Uh, the only ongoing asset that you have right now is poke uh your relationship to poke which is a d8 that could be stepped up if you're somehow leveraging that or want to leverage that for the scene uh, but yeah uh, or you could just not buy those opportunities it's fine in any case the stakes are set to four uh, what does this look like 
Well, Dorothy forgot that she, Dorothy actually has a D6 in, in uh, treat and also in first aid. So I guess just it was the panic of the moment taking her over, but she could certainly help out the situation. So are you taking it like a medicine, uh, medicine kit or like, what does it look like when you're actually trying to treat them? Dorothy, when she's trying to treat them, I mean, uh, yeah, she's basically just kind of, you know, walking. It's, it's almost like, hmm, I'm trying to think here. Sure, there's an Earth movie that uh, relates to this. So she walks onto the bus, and there's just cacophony there. And sort of in slow motion, she just you know calmly like takes off the the, the helmet, and she's just kind of slowly walking towards the uh, back of the bus where Maris and uh, Polk are, and basically just kind of not quite you know roughly but gingerly pushing uh, all the various clones out of the way until she is able to get to the one who's got the medicine kit and just indicate that, you know, sweetheart, I'm taking over from here. Just, you know, sit back, watch, and try to keep everyone calm. Now, mind, you're not going to be able to flat-out heal, poke, or Maris, not not with this medical kit, uh, but you are going to be able to at least buy them some time until you can get to proper medical facilities and stepping stones. So this will be your treat Sounds like first aid to me, and probably mental. I think what I'm going to do is buy one of your opportunities to downgrade my uh, sprained wrist. And what I'm going to do is basically, you know, as I'm just kind of walking towards the back of the bus, medicine kit in hand, create for myself a makeshift splint for whichever wrist it is. Just kind of slowly as I'm going, just take a couple of tongue depressors, wrap them up with some coban, that is to say cohesive bandage, uh, around the wrist and uh, rip it. Basically, I'm just, you kind of see me uh, you know, ripping the tape with my teeth and uh, just kind of rolling it up there so that uh, at least I can hold something while attempting men's lives in my hands. And uh, a change from when we have done this before. Uh, so we were using the firefly rolls, in which case when you, you step down the D6 complication, it would just go away. Uh, but with the new prime rolls, what actually happens is it, it gets stepped down to a D4. Um, but instead of me rolling it against you, you actually get to take a plot point when it is added to your pool and you actually get to roll the d4 complication um, in your pool and get to potentially add it to your total uh, and then it goes away uh, so with that said yeah you uh, head back out here you don't have you really don't have too much to work with uh, in this uh, medical kit uh, but go ahead and make your roll uh, so uh, i think we've already talked about how you're doing like a mental plus treat first aid your sprain risk kind of factors in here a little bit so we can do like a d4 for that uh, any other dice you want to try to roll probably when i'm treating polk i will use that said asset dice but maris is probably maris probably i mean i won't really be able to do that because i mean i don't have such an asset with him well, you're not going to do, uh, I'm not going to have you do two separate rolls for Maris and Poke. I'm just going to have it as one roll. So you can definitely use Poke. Um, although I got to say, Kirby, you're giving me a lot of credit here. Thinking that I'm just going to like, you know, I, I don't know what, take like two, an, an adrenaline shot in each hand and just kind of like a, a Kimbo, you know, stab both of these men in the chest at the same time. 
<laughs> well, like I said, they're not going to be instantly picked up. It, this is more just like buying them time uh, until you get to the hospital. Um, just for funsies, what how what is the uh, nature of the of the illness here? Basically, is it basically just like um, is it bloodborne? Do I have to bloodlet them or something, or can I just make sure that their airways are clear and uh, you know they're receiving hydration or you know what, what are we looking at here? I think that's going to be part of the treat check. The thing about uh, the toxins of Janus is that it's delivered to them um, via the air. And what it specifically does to the human body uh, changes fairly frequently. And if you uh, subscribe to the idea that there is a evil version of the world soul, uh, then it is, quote-unquote, the evil world soul is doing right uh so yeah i i think we'll talk about that depending on uh what your role and how how we kind of see it through dorothy's eyes right so i guess it just depends you know based on how i roll whether i'm going to have to do some bloodletting or whether i'm going to have to catheterize these two men well that's not great um so i did get a complication with one of the d6s so that's a one there and then the D8s and the remaining D6 is a 4, a 3, and a 3. I guess that'd be a 7 then. After probably 10 minutes, uh, the branch devils have given up on your bus. Uh, there's no longer this panic in the back of the bus. And uh, you're just kind of doing what you can for Maris and Poke. Now, despite the fact that Maris seems to have been out in that uh, semi-trailer for... Who knows how long at least an hour or two before you uh, he seems mostly just dehydrated uh, from the exposure uh, however poke himself seems to have uh, these periodic convulsions uh, his throat seems to just be closing up at times but then also just weirdly uh, letting himself uh, loose and he has a uh, fever and he's still kind of mumbling when he can just incoherent nonsense we've got to give this motherfucker some benadryl <laughs> uh yeah but that said uh the effects of the toxin are way more visible on poke uh, you're not quite sure what it is maybe it's because Maris kind of sort of shield, shielded himself uh, when he kept himself locked in that tra uh, trailer, semi-trailer, and Poke just got exposed immediately. Uh, but whatever the case is, uh, you're able to help uh, bring down some of the fever and just kind of just stabilize the uh, two of them uh, as best you can. Maris winds up just uh, conking out uh, asleep and uh, Poke seems to just be in this half fever dream state uh, all the while. Terrence, your bus driver, announces over the crackling of the uh, box here on the bus uh, that uh, Stepping Stone is the next stop, and you'll be there in 15 minutes. So with Poke and Maris uh, just kind of settled in their seats, uh, you finally turn uh, from your treatments of the two to see the rest of the bus just quietly peering over the backs of their seats uh, and just wordlessly watching you and as you begin walking up the bus it starts with one question 
then second, and then very rapidly becomes a third and fourth of people asking you if they're going to be okay, uh, asking you what's going to happen next. Uh, what does Dorothy tell them, if anything? I think I'd like to talk to you all about hardship. Let's start with you, right there. I understand this is probably the hardest time in your life, correct? Yeah, um, I, I would say so. What, what's your name? Genevieve. Genevieve. Tell me about yourself. Where were you, where were you born? Do you have a family? Oh, well, I, I was born in a tube about three years ago. Uh, today, actually. <laughs> and, uh... Happy birthday! Thanks. Um, I mean, really, this, this is my family. I've been working at the mall as uh, a cashier for two and a half years. And I see them every day. And, yeah... I, I think this realization starts to like fall on her. And keep in mind, she she says she was born in two, three years ago. She looks like a young woman in her early twenties right now. Specifically, right now, uh, her eyes are now downcast as she's kind of realizing all this uh, this entire thing. And the clones that are nearby, those who can, all kind of like reach out to like. Uh, give her a reassuring grab of the uh, shoulder, a pat of the back, comforting words as it can. I'd, I'd like to do the same. I'd like to just kind of touch her lightly on the shoulder. And, my dear, how long have you known that you were a You don't tell us until our 16th birthday, or at least what we think is our 16th birthday. Well, at the, at the facilities, at the, at the home is what they call it, they don't, they don't keep clocks around. You kind of just go through a same routine every day and next thing you know it's you're 16 supposedly uh, having your birthday and when the custodians take you aside tell you that the next day you're going to some assignment and you're going to work that until and she she bites her lips she doesn't seem to be able to finish her sentence uh, but then she goes on uh, as tears begin streaming down her face well until your body or mind starts to break down in 10 to 12 years they they didn't build us the last that's what i've heard i think you can see that dorothy's starting to tear up a little bit as well genevieve i'm not going to lie to you because until about a week ago i had no idea what the next steps was for me. I lost my father, and thereafter I lost my ranch. I have nobody left. Nobody. The last I saw of my, call it best friend, I smacked him in the back of the head so that me and Maris could run away and, uh, I guess, get on this crazy adventure, you know? Um, but that's, you know, that's how it shakes out sometimes. And if there's anything I've learned this last week, it's that you can't dwell on all of that. But you also can't forget it. Because who you've been influences who you are, who you're going to be. You've got to take those memories. You've got to take the pain, but also the happiness, also the joy. You've got to take them with you. Those are your, that's your toolkit right there. Like, you know, the little medkit I just used over there on your friends. And you've got to use it as best as you can. Now, 
I don't know what's going to happen next, but I can tell you this much. I'm going to do everything I can to make it right. And not just for myself. We're all in this together, if there's anything I've learned. And I think at this point, she just kind of breaks down and starts crying. Uh, I think... Before we cut from the scene, we have a moment where nearby clones, as best as they can, uh, they can't really crowd around you, but they try to uh, in a comforting way. I'm so sorry. I, I know what it's like. We cut to you about 15 minutes later. You feel the bus slowing down. Uh, you can see the skyline of Stepping Stone in the dark. You just see these kind of towering buildings. Uh, Stepping Stone was really built to be more vertical than it is sprawling uh, compared to West Sands, uh, as in order to take up as less a footprint as it could on the uh, surrounding land. The bus comes to a stop. Uh, the highway here, if you could call it a highway, is currently lit by floodlights some sort of checkpoint here. Looking out the window, you can see biroids and robots and a handful of actual real people uh, pacing about, examining the damage that this bus has undertaken in its trip to get here from West Sands. Eventually, Terrence is prompted to open the bus door and the man in a uniform uh, steps up and begins to have a quiet conversation. Uh, very quickly it becomes clear that they are also checking out who exactly is on this absolutely filled bus. Where's Dorothy at in all this? How do Maris and Polk look? Are they going to be okay? Their breathing is ragged. Uh, they're going to be okay for now, but they need to get to the hospital. And the person asking the questions, are they local police? What are they? They are high command uh, officials uh, there are there's technically um, in stepping stone there there is no police force high command just kind of does that as needed uh, from their already small organization uh, bear in mind like the colonies here you're looking at almost a hundred thousand people between West Sands and stepping stone uh, so uh, and not everyone's a part of high command. So yeah, for all intents and purposes, they are the local uh, police authorities. I suppose to phrase it in their way, they are military police. This is going to be very difficult. I don't know whether I can trust these people or not, especially considering, well, the experience we just had with men in uniform. But there's also no getting all these people out of here. I go to the front of the bus and I approach the uniformed officer. By the time you approach, Terrence is trying to, is fumbling to get his identification out to show the officer who's asking him a very pointed uh, question as to what Terrence is doing with all these clones. Keep in mind, these, these clones are used not just at the mall, they're, they're used everywhere. There's only so many clone variations uh, that's used in these colonies. Uh, and that's when you come walking up. Officer, my name is Dorothy Sanger. I am the former proprietor of Sanger Farms, and these are the last survivors of the West Sands attack. He's mostly focused on the ID that Terrence finally managed to produce for him, uh, but then he looks over to you and sees you and says, 
I'm sorry, say again, some sort of attack at West Sands? Well, I don't know how best to describe it, but I'm sure you're aware of Sanger Farms, the, uh, you know, we, well, we grow all the wheat, corn, barley we used to on this world. He just kind of shrugs, uh, but he want, he's definitely indicating for you to go on. Anyhow, so my farm was destroyed about a week ago. I went into uh, West Sands seeking some shelter, I suppose, from the storm and you know, figure out what to do next. I was just happening upon the mall area there uh, during the vigil after what I'm told was a explosion on board the generation ship. I don't keep up to date on these things. You know, I'm just a farmer girl, but uh, immediately after that happened, we were surrounded by what appeared to be a uniformed paramilitary group. I barely managed to escape with my life, and through circumstances beyond my control, I ended up in the company of what appeared to be mall workers and uh, followers of some obscure religion. But all I was really looking for was some kind of survival, I guess, out of here. So we barely managed to make it through, and that's not all. Officer, on the way here, well, the road was cut off. Uh, the other, or whatever it is, appears to be encroaching on our roads further. Again, I don't know what all that means, but, it, well, you can see for yourself in the in the bus behind me, uh, two of our company did not make it through unscathed. They need medical attention and fast. He looks at you. He looks at Terrence. Uh, and then he waves the two of you off the bus. And all the while, he's like stepping aside because he wants you to uh, step off the uh, bus first. Says, ma'am, th this is the first time hearing of this. Uh, I'm going to need you to relay your story. Uh, we'll see about uh, taking care of well, this, uh, but please step off the bus for me. All right. You step off the bus. Uh, he, the officer, uh, also steps off the bus along with Terrence, uh, and he waves over to Bioroids and basically uh, instructs them to do a rundown of the bus's complement and so the two biroids immediately uh, board the bus he calls into his little radio asking for the officer in charge of this checkpoint uh, and often in distance probably 50 yards away uh, at the checkpoint standing between you and stepping stone here and officer just slowly begins making their way over uh, all the while, uh, what is Dorothy doing or feeling right now? I'm going to be honest with you. She still feels like a bit of a wreck. Um, officer, officer, there's, um, I'm looking for someone in this city. I don't know, how would I go about finding them? The officer is kind of confused by this a, a little bit, um, only in the sense that he was basically tunnel vision watching his uh, officer in charge making his uh, her way over and uh, he says oh well I mean there's a there's a registry uh, if, if you know their name you can get their contact information uh, at any public terminal but we'll talk about that here in a second I, I'm sorry do you have any identification on you I I know you mentioned Singer Farm were you 
some sort of employee on this farm, or... I suppose you could say that. I'm Dorothy Sanger. I'm the old man's daughter. Okay, I... You know, I... I thought they couldn't grow anything out at West Sands. Are you serious? Are you, are you being serious, Red? Where do you think all the corn that you've eaten here is? Or, oh, I see. Are you one of those people who just eats nothing but kelp all the time? Hey, I enjoy my Amy Fonz. I'll let you, I'll let you know. Uh, and that's when the uh, officer in charge finally arrives. Uh, she's a head shorter uh, than this officer. Uh, and she looks to be in her late 30s. Uh, she must have been maybe 10 or 11 when she first landed here on Janus with the rest of the colony. Uh, this woman dismisses her officer after having a private sidebar with them. Uh, the officer going back uh, to talk with the bioroids. Uh, evidently, they have opened the emergency door at the back, and it seems like some sort of medical crew is going to swoop up Maris and Poke. The officer uh, turns to you. She introduces herself as Quinn Nakashima. And she basically begins asking you a bunch of uh, questions. Uh, who are you? Where are you from? A lot of the same questions that the main officer went through. Uh, and I guess Terrence just kind of fumbles through his bit. Uh, Dorothy, are you just pretty much giving her more or less the same? I mean, at this point, I'm quite conflicted because I don't really know um, whether to trust these people or not. But... So I'm just trying to, I guess, give as much information, you know. But, well, I'm, I should say I'm matching whatever Terrence is telling them, really. Uh, I'm trying not to give anything more than, you know, what he knows necessarily. Uh, a lot of this goes by. She doesn't really seem to have too many interesting questions for you. Um, but she does say that she would like you and Terrence to come back with her to the uh, station. All right. Um, I do want to get a read on this, people, as to whether they seem more genuinely surprised by what we're telling them or more like they're trying to, you know, discern, like, how is it that these people managed to escape our trap, I guess. What, what does that look like? Are you just trying to observe your surroundings? Are you flat out asking this officer? Are you just trying to just flat out go off of intuition and just pick up? like how you feel about this situation i think the last one really is the best thing that i could do okay uh, i'm going to go ahead and roll and you're going to go ahead and pick up some dice and roll against whatever stakes uh, so the stakes have been set to 10. i guess the best thing i could do would be mental and notice at this point you could probably also do world wary I, I feel like that probably represents some level of skepticism or some sort of experience with this all right i'll go ahead and do that so i guess that's three d8s then Six, three, five. So I'll pick the six and the five. Eleven. Okay. Yeah, you managed to raise the stakes. You get the feeling that they do want what's best uh, for you, this bus, uh, this whole situation. But you kind of get a feeling uh, with you specifically that there is some sort of like level of suspicion here. Because she seems to be letting Terrence go uh, back on the bus, and she seems to really only want you to go to the station. Maybe I should have tried to sneak off the back of the bus like I originally planned. Officer, have I done something wrong? Am I being detained for any reason? She crosses her arms, looking over her shoulder. Uh, we have a shot of all the uh, 
clones just trying to make sure that you're okay. Uh, they're they're press, practically pressing their faces against the windows here. Uh, and she says quietly, no, we just want to ask you some more questions. Now, uh, Dorothy, if you want to push this situation, we can pick up dice and we can enter a what's essentially a contest of wills here. Her goal is getting you to the station and just basically keep you waiting until you're there. Now, if you want, you can pick up dice and try to convince her otherwise or do something to avoid that outcome. Uh, but she seems pretty resolute on waiting until you're away from this checkpoint. Ma'am, I'm sorry. Uh, Officer Nakashiba. Er, I'm sorry, what is your rank? <sighs> lieutenant. First Lieutenant. First Lieutenant Nakashima. Am I saying that right? I'm sorry. Um, I I understand. I I do respect what you're doing here. And, and Lord knows, uh, you know, as a woman in this world, a fellow professional woman, I, you know, I can relate. But, ma'am, miss, Ms., I'm an old woman. I'm older than my years, as you can see. I've had a very difficult day. I've had a more difficult week and a more difficult month. I really just need, if you can find it in your heart, a night to myself. I just want to take a shower, get some sleep, in the morning, I'll be more than happy, once I've been, you know, thoroughly rejuvenated, to answer any questions that you can. But, Lieutenant, I'm begging you. In this last month, I've lost my father, my ranch, my whole purpose in life. And I, I am this close to absolutely falling apart. Dorothy, uh, you are definitely initiating a contest here. Why don't you go ahead and build a dice pool? Uh, and make a roll. I think we have a lot to go off of. Uh, this seems like it would be social, uh, which is up your purview. This seems like it would be influence. And honestly, I could see any of your distinctions being relevant here. I'd probably be world-weary then. I mean, that's basically the case that I'm making, that I am just tired. Uh, you also have two plot points, uh, which you have hero dice pocketed, um, but keep in mind, before you roll, a thing that you can do with plot points is um, create an asset. An alternative thing that you could be doing with plot points besides spending them on hero dice is after you roll, you know how you're only adding two of the dice together? You can spend a plot point per die to add more dice to that total. I, I think I'd really rather just use my plot points you know when i when i think i need them i feel pretty good about now but i also feel like i'm not just going to be tortured to death if i do have to go answer these questions so and i will say this is a high stakes roll that's a six a two and a one so that's a total of eight i think i'd like to use the hero dice the six the d6 that's a total of 10 uh with the hero die and uh if you're comfortable with that we can just leave it there uh, or you're more than well. You, you have a bunch of hero dice, so you're more than welcome to keep using some. Uh, but keep in mind, she still gets a roll to make potentially. Hmm. I think I'm going to roll one more, just as insurance. That was a five. Uh, so that is fifteen total. With that said, she's going to pick up. Uh, so she's picking up a pair of d8s for 
being her officer self, that's separate from the Doom Pool. Uh, I will be spending 2d6 from the Doom Pool to uh, roll with this Ice Bowl. Sheesh, that is interesting. I think what I'm going to do here is spend two d6s from my uh, danger zone uh, in order to add all these dice together to make the total 16 barely beating you out you son of a bitch well i do have one plot point left and it seems like a waste to just uh have used those two big damn hero dies and not get anywhere i think what happens here is that she says something along the lines of look i understand but there's certain questions that need to be answered and you're the only one that can answer them Yes, I understand. I think my position here is that I'm just so frazzled, you know, that I really need like a moment to recover to so that I can, you know, better explain like what all went on. I mean, she understands that like if you've got someone who just was in a car accident, I mean, they may not necessarily be able to explain everything that happened to the best of their ability. They're still kind of coming down off of that adrenaline high and everything. That's sort of the position that I'm trying to make. I just need a little time for this old woman. Give me 12 hours, that's all I need. That's a three, a three, and a one. I'm toast. What happens here is uh, you, you get taken out. Uh, so in this scenario, I think we begin to uh, zoom out from the action. We have an overhead kind of shot of this well-lit uh, piece of road where the bus is slowly being flagged to pass through the checkpoint. Uh, we see a separate vehicle being loaded with Poke and Morris uh, to take them to the hospital. Meanwhile, you're being walked over to a cruiser. Now, High Command, again, they're not the official police. This, this isn't like a police cruiser. Um, this is just more like a standard run-of-the-mill vehicle uh, that High Command just uses that is very similar to everyone else. It's not a completely decked out vehicle. You find yourself uh, in this self-driving vehicle uh, with this officer uh, who takes a moment to uh, basically exchange duty with another officer and the two of you begin to hit the road and enter a stepping stone. We fade to black from there and credits begin to roll as we bring this session to a close. All music and art provided for the show was done by Solid, aka James, who can be found in the show notes. If you would like to keep up with the latest Starshot news, follow us on Twitter at StarshotPod. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you among the stars.